You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. Over a few things that I said last week, and then we'll get uh, we'll move forward and, and finish this part of our worship series. Has worship has this series been helpful in helping us to understand how to worship and our New Testament aspect of worship. Let me focus real quick on Ephesians chapter 5. And um, verse number 18, it says, And don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. In verse number 16, let's read what it says there. It says, in verse number 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Let me say a few things before we go into what the Lord has. Number one, I said that worship is a heart that, uh, what worship is, is worship is a heart that is um, full of faith, adoring the Lord with belief and with trust in God. That's what a worship is. Number two, uh, in Scripture, we don't usually see instructions about how to worship God. We don't see Paul saying this is exactly what to do and that's exactly what to do. All we see is when we understand how the New Testament was written, the New Testament wasn't written systematically. It was situational. The letters in the New Testament were directed at specific situations that were going on to the churches at that time. And so we see fragments of how the Apostle Paul was telling the church to worship. So we can take some of the things that Paul mentions and start piecing them together and get a picture of how we're supposed to worship and what's supposed to happen when we worship. So if you're writing notes tonight, you can take this down. Worship in the New Testament is supposed to be completely organic. What I mean by organic is that it's supposed to be something that happens naturally. You know, you think about relationships that take place. A good relationship is not something that's forced. A relationship that is worth its salt is something that happens naturally. Caleb and Whitney, your relationship, I'm sure, developed naturally. You don't, you know, it just happened, and, and it, you can't rush things and force things to come out. I was reading a book this week, which I recommend. It's called Why Men Don't Commit. And uh, I put it on, Insta it wasn't supposed to be on social media this week, but I did take the time to put it on. And that's because it really is a good book. Now, I posted it, and I realized the author is not a Christian, and he is an advocate of uh, homosexual uh, relationships and all that, but just because he has some opinions about, not just opinions, just because he believes falsely about those things, doesn't mean that what he's saying about this wasn't any good. So if you did see that, and let me explain to you the church, but uh, it's a great book. And uh, it'll help you women to understand, uh, well, how to... Uh, the male psyche and us men, how to understand a few things about ourselves. And uh, one thing the book was saying was specifically that there are certain things about 
relationships that just cannot be forced. And one of the ways that women go about scaring men off is they try to get information out of the men when information is supposed to come out of the man over time and naturally. The man is going to feel scared off. Look at me teaching about relationships. A man is going to be scared off if a woman, if he believes that the woman is trying to interview him and get things out of him, right? Right? She, she. <laughs> but a man is going to, if a man feels that he's volunteering information to a woman, that's because he feels that he can trust her. And so you see that, you know, other things the book was talking about, uh, everything has to happen organically. And the same happens in our relationship with the Lord, is that we have to develop a relationship with God. And in doing that, our love for the Lord begins to develop organically and naturally. And what happens when your love and your relationship with the Lord is organic, the byproduct of it is going to be worship. And so when people don't have a relationship with the Lord, when they don't have some type of uh, fellowship with God, then there's not going to be any type of worship that comes out of it. And if it is what is the appearance of worship, it's going to be something that is, um, what is the opposite of organic? Somebody help me out. Uh, system, uh, what is it? The oil. You have either organic oil or synthetic. It's going to be, it's going to be synthetic. It's not going to be something that is official. So, and then if you write notes, you can take this down. Organic means to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, who you have a relationship with. And when Paul talks about worship in the church, he's talking about stuff that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so it, you cannot have something that is spirit-driven and man-driven at the same time. It's either going to be driven by the Spirit or it's going to be driven by the hand of men. And oftentimes you can tell when somebody is trying to force something, somebody is trying to push people in a certain way, and if it's not the Holy Spirit, uh, you have to make up for it. Man has to make up for it, and it's with the hand of men. Now as preachers, as ministers, we have to be uh, mindful of this as well. The thing they teach you in ministry school, and they teach you as a preacher, is that allow the Holy Spirit to flow. You flow with the Holy Spirit. If you get too ahead of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be you and it's not going to be the Spirit of God. If you get too behind the Holy Spirit, it's not going to be uh, the Holy Spirit, it's going to be you. And so in worship, we have to be in sync with the Holy Ghost. And that means having an understanding about how to flow with the Spirit. If they were good at anything in the New Testament church, it was flowing with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And in order to flow with the Holy Spirit, you have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. In order to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you have to cultivate your time with the Holy Spirit. So it all goes back to worship being successful inside of a church is dependent upon does the church itself have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so if the church doesn't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the people are going to suffer. And it, all, it doesn't necessarily say the people, it means their leadership. Does the leadership have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. amen. So the Apostle Paul tells you here, uh, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now notice he says the prerequisite to worship, the prerequisite to worship is being filled with the Spirit. Now, go with me, if you will, to the book of John in chapter 2. Let me show you something really quick. John chapter 2. I'm going to talk to you about the first miracle that Jesus did. We know what he did. What was the first miracle he did? Does anybody know and remember? Turn water into wine. Not Welch's grape juice. He turned water into wine. Amen, somebody. Okay. Now, look what it says here. I want to show you. Um... Verse number 7, 
You know, this. we'll just pick up here. Jesus says unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bore it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made into wine, and knew not whence it was, it says, But the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said unto them, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk. Ah, that's a word you should underline. Then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of miracles Jesus did forth in Canaan, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. The word that you're underlining here is the word drunk. It's a very interesting word in scripture. This word is used to mean people that have drunk freely. The word, historically, in any type of context, it is never, under any condition, ever, either historically, in, uh, in, in, uh, in antiquity, being used outside of literature in the Bible, or being used in the Bible. It's never used with anything other than that which is associated with fruit of the vine, which is actual wine, alcoholic wine. And this means, what this person is saying here, is that it means to drink freely, drink freely to such a point that you almost get yourself drunk on wine. And so what it's saying is that in order to be drunk, you have to be full. Just keep on drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking until you're full. And not just full, but drunk implies not just full, but you've actually overdone it to the point where you've gone past the limit. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is, this: the only point I'm making is this, it's to drink freely and it's to drink over and above and to drink in excess. The Apostle Paul is saying, listen, don't get drunk on wine, but get drunk with the Spirit. In other words, in order to have successful worship, your worship, and you write this down if you're taking notes, your worship comes as the result of having drunk freely of the Holy Spirit. So worship is the overflow of your drinking the Holy Ghost. Amen. Drinking being metaphorically of taking in all that you can. It is the overflow. Just like a drunk man stumbles around and acts the way he does when he's drunk. That drunkenness is a result of what he's drunk. Your worship is a result. Your worship is a behavior. It's an action. It's an activity. Your worship is the behavior of having been full of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not full of the Holy Spirit, it is going to be very difficult for you to worship. Because worship is the result of being filled with the Spirit. Amen, somebody. So to have a successful church, to have a successful worship program in the church, the people of the church have to consistently, not first just worship, they have to consistently drink freely. So when we talk about worship, I don't think it's a matter of what well, we need to worship. I think it's a matter of understanding we need to drink freely of the Holy Ghost. That's why your prayer life is so important. That's why your time at home, being under the inspiration and under the anointing of the Holy Ghost is so important. That's why your time in your car is so important. Every opportunity that you have that is free for you, look at every free opportunity. If you're walking in the mall, if you're walking in the parking lot, if you're driving, if you're sitting at a red light, Look at, at an opportunity to drink freely of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, someone. This week I was coming out of the parking lot. I don't know where I was, and I just felt the Lord come on me, and I said, Thank you, Lord Jesus. I praise you. Lord, I just praise you. Thank, thank you, God. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you. What happened? I had the Lord. He came over me, filled me with something, and produced thankfulness in my heart. 
Amen. Our worship is the byproduct of being filled with the Holy Ghost. And guess what? If it's not the byproduct of being filled with the Holy Ghost, then it's not worship. It's something else. It's synthetic. It's not the real thing. Glory to God. But something happens when you get into the presence of the Lord. The Bible says here that you'll speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and you'll make melody in your heart unto the Lord. So notice it says that you will teach and admonish one another. When you speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, first of all, it means teaching and admonishing one another. Our worship, the lyrics that are in our worship, have the ability to teach us something about the Lord. In other words, the lyrics that we're saying to God, they should have an element, not just an element, they should be truthful. Otherwise, what are we teaching ourselves? They should be intelligent. They should be saying something about the Lord. And it says also admonishing one another. It means to give someone a go. Go, go do that. Or, or correcting one another. You know, we used to get something in school called admonishments. If we got in trouble, we'd give an admonishment. You know, you have to go to the principal or something, and it was, or you get a demerit, some type of admonishment. It means strict. It should rebuke. Something about the lyrics, what it's saying, our worship. The lyrics that come from the Spirit of God, they also can correct us, right? You know, sometimes, you think about the people that come in that are living their lives the wrong way. Maybe Christians that are not living for the Lord the way they're supposed to. They come into the church, they hear the worship. It's Spirit-inspired, it's Spirit-driven, but something in the lyrics corrects them. You start singing about the holiness of God, they realize, I'm not holy. You start singing about the power of God, you realize, I got no power in my life. They start seeing what their lives should be and where their lives are at, and it corrects them and it admonishes them and it gets them on the right track. Hello, someone. And not only that, but it says, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. So it's not just down here with one another, it's also directed to the Lord. Praise God. And so... Uh, if you're taking notes, you can write down what a spiritual song is. I think I went over this. A spiritual song, according to the Word of God, is a Spirit-inspired song or a Spirit-inspired instruction that comes from the Lord that is set to a melody or set to music. Sometimes we just uh, come up with music and we try to put our own words in there. But it's, first of all, instruction, it's adoration, it's something intelligent. It's the mind of the Spirit, number one. It is the mind of the Spirit. What is God saying to us? Because we're a word church. We believe in the word in this ministry. So when God gives to you a song or gives to you something in your heart, it will always have two things if it's a spiritual song. It will have the word of God for you in that moment and will also have the melody. Or is that right? Is it the, the, the melody, the, the music, this melody, right? It will always have the melody to it. Both of these things are equally important in a spiritual song. Amen. Don't discount the melody and don't discount the words. Put them both together together because both of them came from the mind of God and therefore both of them are prophetic. Now watch this. Both the words and the melody are sacred and holy and set apart. Whatever comes from the mind of God Whatever the Lord brings forth and births, those things are to be set apart and those things are to be consecrated solely for the use of the Lord. Amen. And that's why we lose the power sometimes because there is this knack 
that we believe we can take un-Christian melodies and set them and put Christian words into those melodies and sing them. You know, I remember there was a particular church that would do this and they called them redeeming the songs. And they would just take any melody that's out there in the world that's catchy and they would put Christian music into it and they would redeem it. And the only problem with this is, is that that melody didn't come from the mind of the Spirit. It came from somebody that had maybe a lustful overtone to it or had some other type of overtone to it. Hello, somebody. Hey, listen, if the world birthed it, let it stay in the world. I want something that's been birthed by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not against every song that's not Christian and all that kind of stuff. Music is music. I was listening to classical in there when I was working on, a, uh, on my book this afternoon. And uh, so I'm not against that. But what I, my point is, is that we as a church need to do all things as a result of being filled with the Holy Ghost. And I've never been filled with the Spirit and busted out in a song to the Lord set to, you know, a disco song or a 90s song or an 80s song, right? I've only been inspired by the Spirit through songs that have come from the Spirit. Never has it been something that's been secular. Secular needs to stay secular. I don't have a problem with everything secular. Okay, you got to watch your diet. I don't have a problem with everything secular. As long as it stays out there beyond those doors. It's plans and the purposes that you use it for. You know, we don't take holy songs and go use them for unholy things. And we don't take unholy songs, just I don't, I'm talking about songs that are not set apart, and use them for holy things. We keep those things separate, and we do that out of reverence to God. Amen. Amen. All right. Spiritual songs uh, in every generation, anytime there has been a renewal of the Holy Spirit, a renewal of God, it was characterized by certain songs that came from the mind of God. I'm going to tell you why this is in just a moment. When you consider uh, what psalms and hymns are, anything that comes from the Spirit of God will have in it what I always just refer to it my own self is staying power. What I mean by staying power is it stays around. It sticks. It doesn't go anywhere. It's something that is or becomes the melody of that particular move. And that's because anything that God gives to you he is, not, is not going to be corruptible. Anything the Spirit of God, and that's why you get a word from God, you know this word is from God. You know it came from the Holy Spirit. You know it came from God. That word is not going anywhere. If it goes anywhere, it's because it didn't go nowhere. You just forgot it. You went away from it. But it's going to stay there. And so when God gives you a word, you should write it down. If God gives you a song, you should write it down because that song should stay there because anytime you draw upon that song, it's going to have power. And anytime you sing it, it's going to have power. Hello, somebody. That's why when I tell preachers, if God gives you a really good sermon and it's very effective, don't preach it one time and throw it to the side. Go around preaching that sermon. It came from God. Anytime you use it, it's going to have power to it. If God gives you a song, Caleb, you sing that song. I mean, if you know God gave it to you, you know the Spirit of God birthed it, you go singing that song, you can draw upon it, and there's going to be power because it came from the mind of the Spirit. Hello? Think about some of the songs that have staying power that have been with us a long time. We can go into the old hymns. Holy, 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 right? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Oh, come on. And when you start singing this song, doesn't everything change for you? Something just changes. Everything just, it doesn't matter what you're having a bad day, things you do, your hair is not, you've you know, been fussing with your hair, and you know, you, well, you know, you've been in traffic all day, and then you hear holy Holy, 
holy. It's just kind of like, huh, hmm. Why is that? Do you know how much power it has? That, that could, the fact that it has that much power tells you it can't come from the mind of man. Right? Or you hear, you know one song I like, let's, that, that was what, 1800s that came out. Let's go into 96. There was one song that came along, and I'll tell you, it was it's powerful. That song, shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing, power and... Nobody, there's no one that dislikes that song. Everyone knows that song. Man, I remember back in the revival days, I was in sixth grade when that song hit the scenes. Oh, I used to love to sing that song. People would be crying. It became a hallmark of the renewal that happened in America back in the, in the late 90s. Now, we've had songs that have come ever since. But you also notice with the songs that have had the staying power, how many songs can you know that have fallen off the scenes? Yeah, I remember that song. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was all right. Well, I'm not saying that God did or didn't, but chances are it wasn't inspired the way these songs were inspired. Maybe somebody sat in a studio and said, ah, I have to have 14 tracks on this album. i got to think of some other ones now. Okay, yeah, you got any idea for a track? But when God gives a track... It produces power. When a man produces a track, it produces entertainment, maybe half anointed, may not be half anointed. But when God breathes into it, it, it becomes, here's the word I want us to get tonight, timeless. Amen. Amen. Now how about this? If God, now watch this now. This is, this is getting a little revelatory for you tonight. Did God breathe your spirit into your body? He absolutely did. And guess what your spirit became? Eternal. It ain't going nowhere. It's either going to exist in heaven or in hell, but it ain't being corrupted because when God breathes something, it becomes timeless and it becomes eternal. That means that when God breathes a song, it becomes timeless and it becomes eternal. Amen. Do you think we'll be singing those songs in heaven if God inspired them? You absolutely better believe we will. Because it's outside of time. And it's just going to remain. It just is. God breathed the song. It just is. Hello. You know, the hallelujah chorus. I mean, I, don't, I, I think the hallelujah chorus is off the chain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, that's, I mean, have you ever, I don't mean just hearing it on the radio when 105.1 does their music. I mean, have you ever been in a real chorus or a real orchestra where they do that song and they have a whole seat of musicians and instruments and they're playing that song and you have an anointed choir? Oh, my gosh. This is powerful. This is, I mean, I don't care what style of music you like. If you really know music, you cannot deny it. this is amazing. This is wow. This is glorious. It's, you know, uh, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's because it probably came from the mind of God. Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. You can't argue with that. He does reign, does he not? Hallelujah. You think about the new heavens and the new earth when you up in heaven and you look around and all those people that left you and went home to be with the Lord and those people that they were nobodies, they were involved in all types of sin and God redeemed their life and then they went out and died and you get to heaven and you see everybody and you don't see any more weeds and corruption and, 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 and cracks and gray skies and no one's crying no more and, and then you think about the new heavens and the new earth and it's all said and done and God's sitting upon the throne and Jesus there at the right hand of the Father and all the, the, and all the your theological ideas are in a reality what more are you going to be able to sing other than that came from the mind of God amen somebody I like those boy I tell you I like those kind of songs versus the songs that are kind of like I remember there was one song I'm sorry 
I don't know, I hope you didn't like There's this one song. <laughs> it was back in uh, 2001, 2002. Couldn't stand it. Jesus, you are my best friend, and you will always be. And I'm thinking, oh boy. That song fell off the scene. No one's singing that song today. I told them back then. You remember that song? You remember? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought, what is this? It sounded like a superhero song. Well, he's not that. He's not that casual. Well, those kind of songs, you know, they didn't stick because they didn't have the reverence. They didn't have the power. They didn't have the scriptural backing. They didn't have the, the theological mind behind it. They didn't have, it wasn't, it, just, it came out of someone's idea about God rather than God's idea about himself revealed to mankind. Amen, somebody. Is this okay for you guys tonight? Am I doing Am I holding up with my cloudiness of mind? Amen. All right. So, when songs come from the Spirit, many times, because they come from the Spirit, they're going to come out of sudden impulse and inspiration. They're going to come from sudden impulse and inspiration. And sudden impulses are an indication that is a, a congregation is alive and full of the Spirit. Now watch what I'm talking about a second. It says in John chapter 3, and verse number 8, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And just as we see many times that the wind is present, we can't see the wind, we can't look at the wind, but we see the evidence of the wind. The leaves are rustling, you can hear it, but then you can't predict again where the next gust is going to come from. It's unpredictable. You can see that the Holy Spirit is working, not necessarily by seeing Him, but you have evidence that He's there through His spontaneous work that's going on. Amen, somebody. Amen. How do you know the Holy Spirit is alive in a church? Because there are spontaneously things going on. And so worship, because the wind is spontaneous, and Jesus is comparing the wind to Nicodemus, uh, and the Holy Spirit and the wind, that means that there should be spontaneous things that are going on inside the ministry. And so little things that come from the Holy Spirit, you know, if they're spontaneous, they may be little things that come from the Holy Spirit. And as little as they are, they hold massive, massive power to transform and to inspire. So don't... Um, Always settle for, this is powerful now, don't always settle for the familiar. Don't always depend on what is familiar. And don't be afraid to follow prompts in your spirit that take you away from the familiar. Amen, somebody. As a, you know, as a preacher, I can relate it to notes. You know, I, could, I have notes. But sometimes the Holy Ghost takes me off the notes. Sometimes it's me. Now i got to go back to the notes. But sometimes it's the Holy Spirit. And He starts taking you away from what you've prepared, what you've known. And He starts leading you. And the minute you go where He goes, you find yourself carried away into the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So don't just settle for the familiar. Now, that means that it's possible to be over-polished when we are doing something that requires our talent. See, preaching requires a bit of talent. Worship requires a bit of talent. Singing requires a bit of talent. The more talent you have, the better it is. 
but talent can't replace the anointing. Amen, somebody? And if worship or preaching or whatever any of these come off with just talent, do you know what it will lack? It will lack freshness. And freshness, I mean inspiration. It will just seem like somebody is performing. Now, um, I've seen worship bands and worship sound so good. It's phenomenal, but it's also talent. Yeah. And does it get this the, the crowd stirring? It gets the crowd stirring. Does it get people dancing? It gets people dancing. Does it get people into emotions? It gets people into emotions. But guess what? It doesn't get you into the spirit. Amen. What gets you into the spirit sometimes in the natural seems imperfect. Because the Holy Spirit can take, and this is so good, the Holy Spirit can take that which is imperfect and still bring you in the spirit. Amen, somebody. See, what's imperfect in the flesh to us, sometimes the Holy Ghost, he don't pay attention to that. He doesn't sometimes pay attention if you're missing a key here and if you're missing a note there. He's paying attention to where the heart is and are you following the Spirit on this one. Glory to God. So, many times worship bands, worship teams, musicians, they freak out when they hit a wrong note. They freak out when they hit a wrong key. But you know what? I think... If we don't hit the wrong key sometimes, we're too polished. I think when we have a stammer here and there, when we hit a wrong note, it could be evidence that the Holy Spirit is moving us into new territory and bringing us into a new revelation of the Spirit. Amen, somebody. Yeah, I believe that. You should let it go. You should move into that new territory. Move into that new sound. Because God, He desires to work. He desires to move in sound. I'm just going to talk about that in just a second. Let me say this. There is an understanding, and we can talk about this maybe next week. God doesn't just move in word and move in power. God Himself moves in sound. When God is doing something in your life or producing a new revelation... I don't know, this is going to sound like a very weird and hard to understand statement, but you can literally tell what the Holy Spirit, when God is breathing something to you, it, it comes almost with the sound. You hear the sound of a move of God. You hear a sound of the Spirit. You know, um, um, there's a certain particular sound. I tell, I have told in the past, people that have played with us, pay attention when I'm preaching, when I'm ministering the Word of God. Your responsibility is to pay attention to what type of sound I'm preaching in. Because I believe the, 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 the preacher and the worship leader, the preacher and the worship should pick up the same sound. You know, sometimes I may come up as a minister and say, well, praise the Lord, and, and be very reverent, and be very reserved and held back as a preacher. Not be up there... You know, going 100 miles an hour and preaching and, and going and, and back and forth and back and forth and on the chairs and preaching with power, preaching like this and that. If the Holy Ghost is moving me that way, that's one thing. 
I may do that. I may run up and down. And, Glory to God. Come on, get. And people are and going for the energy. And there's a very, very fervent spirit that's in the place. And it's almost like a warlike type spirit. And we're going out there. You know, usually when you preach on the kingdom or miracles or signs and wonders, you want people to get behind it. We're going, doing this and that. Because what is it? That sound is an expression of feeling. Hello, somebody. You're watching a movie, right? A car chase. Do you hear in the car chase? Do you ever hear that in a car chase? No. Maybe for some comic relief, the car next to the person is listening to that. But that's not what you hear. You know, stuff like that, right? That's not like a car chase to you. Why? Because the sound is evoking the emotion that you're supposed to feel at that time to relate to what's going on. Hello, somebody. When the Spirit of God is moving, are you guys getting what I'm saying tonight? When God is moving, He wants you to understand what He is doing. He wants you to picture what's going on. He understands that He's a human being. He releases a sound. So, in your heart, you start to sense what God is doing. It comes by way of a sound. And you're this is what should go on in the church. Hello, someone. What happens bad chemistry-wise is if the preacher is on one length and the musician's on the other. Amen. I mean, the preacher's doing. Dun -dun 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 -dun. I'm not, okay, I'm not talking specifically about us. Okay, I'm just talking about in generally speaking in the church. I'm talking principally speaking. Okay, so this is nothing to reflect of what's going. You're great worship leader, but in 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 you know you go on and all of a sudden it's then the worship leader comes and gets on the keys and. The sound's wrong. It's wrong. It's not what's going on in church. Just fervent prayer going up. You know, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, and everybody in the church, shouldn't get on the keyboard and... It should be more of a dark sound. You gotta get those things right, or we as the body of Christ have to get those things right. Because if we don't, it tells us we don't have a tuned ear. You're not gonna hear this a lot of places being taught, but when you're in the spirit, you can tell what's going on in prayer. Prayer is prophetic when we get in the spirit. You ever notice in prayer when you're in the spirit? You do ups and you have downs. You have highs and you have lows. Amen. This morning, I was praying and I got into a mode of thankfulness. Thank you, God. Thank you. I couldn't get out of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What was I thanking God for? I don't know. Something was being done and something had already been, something had worked itself out in the spirit. I don't know. I'm looking forward to finding out. But that was spirit driven. In the spirit, find out what God is saying not be tone deaf to it and so in prayer there's highs and there's lows there are fervent times and there are peaceful times the same in preaching and administering the word of god the same way as well in worship and now this is where we mess up in worship sometimes so easy to have a set of songs Again, principally speaking, Caleb. <laughs> so easy to have a set of songs. And you say the first one is going to be fast. All of a sudden, get up before the service starts, and there is a 
spirit of sweetness in the place. The minister of music should know, change it, change it, change it, because you'll set yourself backwards. Don't be afraid to change it. You've got to pick up. You have to gauge what is going on. You have to. It takes a tune. It takes a fine. And more than just music ability now. This is called being aware of the presence of God. When you walk up there, what is going on in the service spiritually? There's a spirit. There's a sweet. There's a worship spirit in here. God, and, that, and, and if there's a worship spirit in the place, that's God saying, worship me right now. Don't come in here with all that. Just worship me. Right? This is what I want. I want to be worshipped. I want to be worshipped. Sometimes you'll go home in there and your heart will be full of thankfulness. You know, just thanking. You know, have you just been thankful? And you're just welling up with that. Just start, start with it. Start with the thankfulness. You know, and as preachers, we have to be aware of the same way. Um, you know, sometimes you have to change your message. You gotta switch it. You find out that the you can sing, you can get up in there and you sense a burden as a preacher. You can walk in and all of a sudden you want to preach on this and then you sense this, and you're burdened for this. Well, it's usually what the burden the people are carrying. So you minister directly to that burden. This is where school cannot help people. This is where praying in the Holy Ghost on a regular basis helps people. When you pray in the Spirit, you develop a sensitivity to what the Spirit of God is doing, and when you can get the worship leader and the pastor. When you get the team involved and everybody is on this, it's like pistons inside. You ever see pistons? They're all, there may be eight of them, but they're all firing at different times, but they're all working together. It's kind of what's going on. Maybe eight different people working the same thing. Everything's going good, right? And when somebody says to me, that was a great service, Pastor Palmer. The services we had, they've been services, and there's been services where like, what well, was a service? And when you look at the services that were there, when I look at the supernaturals we had in the past, the ones that went the best, it wasn't necessarily had the best uh, sermon at the time. It wasn't necessarily even that there was the best miracles at the time. It's usually because there was a flow that was in the people that created the atmosphere and the presence that way. I remember that my, what I believe was um, the best supernatural that we had, just talking about our special services. It wasn't uh, necessarily the biggest one we had, but it was the one when I look at it, I said, man, we really flowed together. We all worked together for what the Spirit wanted at that time. And it made it extra special. And the Spirit of God moved the most powerfully that time. It was camp meeting. I love that camp meeting one. I, I, that was way back. I think it was before you guys had come. That was a really good one. And that was my favorite one. So... Um, that's it comes by being sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Amen. You guys still with me here? Amen. How long am I gonna go on? Okay, I got fifteen. I got off to go ten more minutes. Can you guys give me ten more minutes to finish this? Then I'm gonna call up Benny on and be like, yo, <laughs> Benny, throw some of that rice on there, extra vegetables, slap some of that butter on there. Bam 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 bam. Amen. <laughs> All right, we talked about this already. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Okay. When we are not inspired of the Spirit of God for ourselves, we will become used to playing the sounds of others. Amen. When people just do the sounds of others, that means that they're not inspired of themselves. I don't mean, okay, because you play the same word. That's not what I mean. I'm just basically saying if there's no 
song of your own in your heart, then it's important to find that song. I'm talking about all of us. It's one thing to just walk around every day up and down the street and just singing Israel Houghton. It's good. But when you really get, I tell you, the times I get in the Spirit, I, I usually just have my own song from God. Lord, I worship you. You are wonderful to me. Lord, where is that song coming from? It came from God. He'll put something in you prophetically for the now. And when God gives this, this, this house, when God gives this church a sound, those sounds we will make our own. They're a sound of the house that embrace what the vision is for this ministry, what the uh, call of God is, why we exist. They'll, they'll, they will um, coincide with what we're trying to accomplish as the church, what God's called us to do. Amen, somebody. Amen. So when we have our own relationship with God, God inspires us uniquely. Hallelujah. That's good stuff right there. Okay. And then there are certain results of having... The Spirit of God. Uh, well, let me just say this first and foremost is that the instrument we're so used to calling the guitar and the drums and the piano the instruments, but the real instrument is not that. The real instrument is us. We're God's instruments because a, a piano on its own can't make a noise. God has never been able to breathe a sound into a guitar. God has never been able to breathe a sound into a piano. God, the only thing God is going to breathe a sound into is us. And if God breathes a sound into me, how is it I can let you know what that sound is and share it corporately unless I either sing it or find an instrument to put that sound into? So when you pick up an instrument, what you're doing is saying, I'm going to use this to communicate the sound that God has placed inside of me. So when you have a drummer and you have a pianist and you have a guitarist, and you have singers, what are we doing? We all should know the sound that God has put inside of the ministry, and we're taking that sound and transferring it into that instrument so we could corporately be a part of that sound. Amen, somebody. So look at every time you play the guitar. Look at every time you pick up that instrument. You are putting God's sound inside of that thing. And it will not, will not just simply be a sound. It will be what God is saying in the now. And that's the sound that God will move in and visit us with. Hello, somebody? I think that's good. All right. And so when we have the worship, it'll bring several different things into our midst. Number one, in worship, when we access the presence of God, it brings a certain ease. How many have noticed that when you're worshiping the Lord, it brings ease? Let's go to Matthew. I'll, let me, I'll just read it. Matthew chapter 11. Verse number 30. It says here in Matthew 11, verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the presence of the Holy Spirit, there is no striving. You know, anytime I've ever done anything that's ever been anointed, it's not been tough. It's not been striving. You know, you get over into that glory realm, Caleb, you, or, or I get into it while preaching, or whatever you get into it while serving, you don't become aware of yourself. You don't become aware of your voice. You don't become aware of your style. All you become aware of is the presence of God. And it becomes so easy to do it. It becomes second nature. When we get into that, we are obedient to follow the trail of the Holy Spirit as He's leading in worship that ease will show up, and you'll know you're doing it by the Spirit. Amen. Number two is you have revelation knowledge. 
And that's revelation knowledge concerning the person of Christ. God starts revealing things to you in his glory, in, in his presence. You know, while we're worshiping, people should have visions and revelations of Jesus. And not just visions where they have to see into that realm, that's possible, but also the eyes of their understanding become enlightened to see who the magnificent, glorious Christ is. While we're worshiping God, there should be revelations of Christ going on at that time. People's eyes should be illuminated when we're worshiping. Because the Holy Spirit is here, when the Spirit of God comes, He teaches us, instructs us, and gives us further understanding. Amen, someone? And then, of course, there'll be an understanding of the next step. And what I mean by that is an acceleration. You get into the presence of God, and God begins to reveal to you His purpose from outside of His presence. And so it shows you, it gives you direction from the Spirit. You may not know what to do. You may be in a situation where you have no idea, and then you get into the presence of God, and there's just a knowing that takes place in your heart. This is a result of being in the presence of God because that knowing comes from being in the now and being hooked up to the mind of God. Amen, somebody? So we do things by the presence of God and we do things understanding that we are the Lord's instruments. Amen? Did you get anything from that little sermonette? Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.